Thank you. Good morning. My name is Lori, and I am one of you. And uh, I'm proud to be uh, a part of this church family and excited to get to share with you this morning. Uh, Happy race day to you race fans out there. Uh, Do we have any race fans? Yeah, we have. How many of you in this room have actually been? (laughs) My husband is excited about the race today. Um, How many of you have actually been to the Indy 500 and you've seen it with your own eyes? Yeah, if you live in Indy, they say you should at least go once, don't they? I hear, I'm not a huge race fan, Steve is, uh, but I hear that if you're a race fan, it is like the event to see. Is that right? It's like the race to go to if you're a race fan, right? What do they call it? The greatest spectacle in racing, right? So if you're a race fan, today is your day. And if you're a race fan, you don't want to die without getting to go see with your own eyes the Indy 500, right? That's, that's the thing to see. Uh, let me ask you this. How many of you are basketball fans? So if you know anything about the Oranders, you know we're big basketball fans. And so let's not talk about last night, but a week ago today, the Pacers uh, actually defeated LeBron and the Heat. And uh, for our boys, both Clay and John had the opportunity to go there and see it with their own eyes. They got to see it happen. And for a basketball fan, that's the epitome. To see the Pacers, if you're a Pacers fan, to see the Pacers beat the Heat and LeBron, right? So let me ask you this. How many of you this morning are Jesus fans? All right. So that takes care of that's about every one of us. How many of you are followers of the one? And let me ask you, if you are, what is the epitome of our faith? What is that thing that we, it would be like the greatest thing to see ever? Yeah, to see him, to see his face. See, it'll be like the greatest day in history, the greatest spectacle of our faith, the culmination of everything that we've ever longed for. Isn't it right? The day when we get to see him face to face. And, and on that day in heaven, when we get to see him like in, its, in his fullness, like nothing then will hinder us, that will be a day, won't it? It says then we'll see him face to face. We shall see him as he is. And we shall see that we are like him. Wow, that'll be like the best, won't it? This will be like the culmination. You guys, it'll be like every dream come true. Every desire we've ever had will be fulfilled in that moment. It will be the culmination when we get to see him with our own eyes. Are you with me? Okay, so here's the good news for today. We don't have to wait until that day. We have been given a grace by the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of us to give us spiritual eyes to allow us to see him now. And the word that's been given to this particular church and this body, our family right here, if you've not been here in the last two weeks, is what? Blessed are we. Joseph, if you want to put that up. Why? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And yes, it will be the ultimate day when we see him face to face. But listen, this is what, is what kind of a word? A now word. It's a now word. Listen, I think we've been awakened. It's like somebody came along and juggled me a little bit and went, Hey, did you remember this is for today? Hey, Lori, did you remember that because the Holy Spirit lives in you, you now have eyes that can be enlightened by the spirit of revelation so that I can see his face? Wow. 
I feel like we are in the midst of a, of, a, of a spiritual awakening here where he's like, listen, this is to be our daily experience. We've been invited and reminded of this is what life is all about. Our Indy 500 doesn't come once a year. It comes every day. The pinnacle of everything that we long for can be fulfilled every day. And it can come in different ways, you know. It's like um, seeing God, if we just would break it down a little bit, it can be like in encounters where we really see him face-to-face, visions, dreams. Sometimes when I'm in my quiet time, I just wait there. And I know some of you do too. It's just like, (laughs) it's everything until I can see his face. Those are the moments. Those are the ones that bring me joy. They can be encounters where we, we are in worship maybe, or we have just a revelation. We're in his word, and all of a sudden we see him. And it can also be like we see God by evidences of God. Like the other night, the sunset. I see God. I see what you're doing. I see, I see him in his transforming power. When I see a, a, a heart that was as hard as stone, you're like, that person will never change. And then you see them when God comes in. And touches and heals and reveals and changes a heart of stone into a heart that loves God. Only, that's God. I see him when he heals. I see him in signs and wonders. I see him, I just decided to put every good and perfect gift because it's from him. And listen, the more we look for him, the more we're going to see him. And the more we see him, the more I want to look for him. Because it satisfies my soul. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If you were to switch the sentence around, let's just do it to mix it up a little bit this morning. The pure in heart are blessed because they see God. Are you tracking with me? Why are we blessed? Because that's the ultimate gift. That's the ultimate blessing, is to see his face. I am... uh, I'm a big believer in, if this is what God's saying to us today, I want us, as, as one of you, I, I want us to get this. I want us to start reminding each other, this is the season for this. See, he's promised us a new and special grace to be looking for more, be expecting more. I want faith to rise this morning. Are you with me? I want us to spur one another on to be looking for him more. And then what was the last part of our promise? If we tell each other, if we declare it. We want to tell each other. Because when you tell me, Beth, how you saw God this week, it raises my faith and I want, to, I want to look for myself. And then when I tell you, Heather, how I saw God this week, that might increase your faith and encourage you a little bit to look for him more. This is what we're going to talk about today. And we are going to go right to his word. Because I like to look in scripture to see others who have seen God. And how it completely transformed them how seeing god changed everything because honestly it changes everything for us doesn't it so today uh, the holy spirit just would not let me get away from the story of the apostle paul who started off as saul if you know him so a two-second background on this guy he grew up in a, a very religious home a jewish man he knew the torah the law he became a pharisee of pharisees as he said in his own words, like he was the guy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he, he loved God and he was going to worship God and he was going to make sure that every t- uh, jot and tittle of the law was fulfilled, right? Now, those same Pharisees that he was a part of, when Jesus came on the scene, 
They said that he was a blasphemer. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are the ones who had him arrested and put to death, right? Why? Because they wanted to squelch that voice. Saul was zealous that nothing would come uh, in front of the law of God. And this man, Jesus, was just leading a sect. It was a cult, and he needed to silence it. Now, the bummer for him was when they did have him uh, crucified and buried, then rumors started happening that he was alive. So if you're Paul, you're like, duh, we thought we got done of this, right? So what did he do? He said, let me take care of it. I'll take care of it. Give me letters, and let's go, and let's take all the believers who say they believe in this Jesus, and let's just put them in prison. And we're going to squelch this revolt. We're going to silence this so it goes away, right? So let's pick up here. If you have a Bible and you want to turn to Acts chapter 9, that's where we're going to start. And we're going to read a little bit of this story. This is where Saul is. He's ticked off, and it says that meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats. You, you hear the little bit of anger and bitterness there? It's like he is not happy, camper, okay? <clears throat> Against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, which was a town on the outskirts of Jerusalem. See, he didn't want this thing to go any further, right? So that if he found any there in Damascus who belonged to the way, meaning the Christians, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly... A light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. Now in Damascus there lived a man, a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias. Okay, stop right there. How did the Lord call to him? In a which means that he could see. He was seeing God. We don't know how, what this vision was like, but it's a vision. So the Lord was caught. Okay, I just want to remind you, since Jesus rose from the dead, the veil has been torn. Just be looking for it in Scripture, all the different times that God appears to people and the, ways, the different ways that we get to see him. Are you tracking with me? Uh, okay, all right. So in a vision, he says, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, I'm sorry, what? In a vision, he, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. 
I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So then Ananias went to the house and he entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. The end of our story here. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished. And they asked, hang on, wait a minute. Isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. Wow, don't you love God's word? Don't you love the transforming power? Let's take the most impossible person that you can think of that would ever come to Jesus. Nothing is too hard for him. He took the arch enemy of the faith and with one glimpse of Jesus' face, everything was turned upside down. You see, all it takes is a glimpse. All it takes is one look. It changes everything. I, I was reading this week, and maybe you've seen this for years, but for me it was new this week. I'm like, you know that light that appeared from heaven? It occurs to me, that's not just like some big bright light. Like, I'm thinking it was the same light that when John, who was on the Isle of Patmos, heard this voice like the sound of rushing waters, and he turns around to see Jesus. John describes him in Revelation 1 as his head and his hair were as white as snow, and his face was like, you remember, the sun shining in all its brilliance. You see, I think that bright light that blinded them was nothing but the face of Jesus. I could be wrong if you want to theologically correct me, but I'm thinking that was the brightest light there is. That's the glory that we long to see. I think it's the thing that knocked him off his high horse. That's what I think. And I'm so, I'm so looking for, I love the songs we sang this morning. It's your glory, Lord, that we long for. Your glory, Lord, is what we long for. Isn't it true? So I think that was the light. Now, there are a few things I think that we can glean from this story and apply it to us as we too are looking to see him more and more. Because seeing God changes everything. First of all, <laughs> seeing God for Saul changed his perspective on who God was. See, Saul thought he knew God. In fact, let's remember, Saul was on a mission for God. And in all of his heart, with all of his heart, he felt like he was doing the will of God. He thought he knew God. But seeing Jesus' face changed everything. And he realized that in actuality, he had been blind. So isn't it interesting that the Lord blinded him, the Lord showed him how blind he was. And it wasn't until he couldn't see anything that he could finally see. It wasn't until his physical eyes weren't working anymore 
that the Lord began to give him his own face and then visions to show him, Paul, you've been so blind. Now, I don't want to give Paul too hard of a time because, all honesty, that's been me. Anybody else at certain times in your life? I mean, like, I've loved God since I was, well, as long as I can remember. But there are times in my life where I know I've thought, I know this is the will of God, and I'm going. And, and I tend to be a bit zealous at times, maybe. So when I go, I go, you know. And there have been times when I, the Lord has just had to kind of knock me down a little bit in love and open my eyes, humble me a bit, and re- make me realize, wow, that's not who you are, God. You know, and, and, and isn't it the grace of God that shows us that all of us have some blind spots? And by very virtue of them being blind, we don't know that um, they're there, you know? And so how important to have the body around us, how important for me to have the word of God to keep my eyes uh, uh, focused. And when I do get off track, I don't have to fear because he's gracious enough to reveal himself just what I need to know for that season. Lori, I'm better than you think. Lori, I'm more gracious than you realize. You see, Saul thought that, that the law was everything. Saul is the epitome of the religious spirit, right? Doing the right thing, getting this all right, he thought that that was it. <laughs> he even thought that that was so important that the end justified the means of, with, of uh, sustaining that. In other words, murdering people, even though that's like even one of the Ten Commandments, was okay if it was going to preserve the law of God, the name of God. Even murdering people. And again, I don't want to give him too hard of a time because how many of us do this? We justify the means by the end. Well, I know this is not really probably the best way to do this, but this is most important. Anybody else? He was showing me all kinds of ways I do this. Sometimes I call it the religious spirit that sneaks back into my life. Sometimes it's just that I have an incorrect view of who my father is. And here are some things he revealed to me. Lori, any time that you justify, you know, the means by the end and it's not my ways, that's not me. I mean, like, what am I talking about? Okay, like, I know God wants me to be happy. Therefore, I probably shouldn't be having this relationship online with this other person outside my marriage, blah, 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 you know. But God wants me to be happy. Are you tracking with me? I know this is what God wants in the end. And so we sort of sometimes take our own shortcuts. Then, you know what that reveals to me? I don't have a big enough view of God that he's not quite capable of giving me what he's promised to me in the ways that he wants to do it. Because he's big enough. And he's good enough. And anytime I take those matters into my own hands, I have... I've sidetracked. I've missed it. I've, I've not seen how good he really is. See, I have to see who he really is. Seeing God will change my perspective on the heart of the Father. I, he also showed me that, Lori, if, if at any time you have to put somebody else down in order to keep God's name up, you, you feel like you have to defend God or silence another voice so that God can be heard. Wow, Lori, you've forgotten how big God is. Anytime I I put us in the camps of us and them, that's that old religious spirit sneaking back up on me. Because God loves them. And by the way, I am one of them. We are all us. You know? 
changing, it changes my perspective. Seeing God helps me change my perspective on who he is, his great love, and how he sees me, and how then I see others. And one of the last ones he said to me was, if you feel, Lori, that uh, you doing the will of God means neglecting your family, you've probably missed it. Or if, if you think that doing the will of God means dishonoring your friends, you're, you're not seeing me correctly, Lori. It just sneaks in, doesn't it? Maybe it's just me. Those are just ones that helped me this week. And the last one was, if the Lord, if I think God's will, like Saul did, means doing anything without love, then I have missed seeing who God really is. Because guess what? It was the same guy that went on to write most of the New Testament, but he wrote these words. If, if I can speak in the tongue of men and angels and understand all prophecies, and I have the faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. See, Saul got changed completely. And then he understood the heart of the Father and that love is the fulfillment of the law and all the prophets. And if I have not love, I am nothing. Seeing God changes my perspective of who God is. It reveals the true heart of the Father and how he sees me. Now, put yourself in Saul's place. He says to him, Okay, so he's, he's zealous, right? He's going after these people. And then this voice is so audible that even his men hear it. The light is so bright that they all, in overwhelmedness, fall to the ground. And, he, and so he knows that he's having an encounter with God, right? But here's Paul going, or Saul, thinking, wait a minute. What, what in the world? And he says, who are you, Lord? And, it's, and, and he says, I am Jesus. Can you even imagine how Saul felt in that moment? What? Wait a minute. This can't be true. This can't be true. And then how would his mind have gone? His, just the conviction then, right? Of all the things he had said, all the vows he had made, all the promises to squelch this one and to go after the people who believed in him then how must the guilt have come? You see, seeing God sometimes brings conviction. But here's the thing we don't want to miss. Seeing God also brings forgiveness. Seeing God, we see grace. If you really see him, I think that when Saul looked into those eyes of Jesus, he saw that he was not there to condemn him. In fact, he was there to call him. Saul, Saul. Come and be mine. You see, no matter who we are or how badly we have missed it, there is one who is calling our name in love and in grace and inviting us back. He called himself the worst of sinners. So if you have been sitting out there thinking, as soon as I get my act together, then maybe I can be one of those who sees God. Or as soon as I get a hold of this addiction, or as soon as I can right this wrong, or you have no idea what I've done. Listen, the worst of sinners, in one moment, seeing God, received his grace, his forgiveness, and was changed. Because that's what the grace of God does. It is undeserved favor. 
All right. Seeing God changes my perspective on who God is, who I am to him, how much he loves me. Seeing God restores my joy. Seeing God brings me the greatest joy that you and I can know because it really is what our hearts long for. And we can know that this is true of the Apostle Paul, who, by the way, whose name changed. Not only did his identity change of who he saw God, how he saw himself, he even changed his name from Saul to Paul. Everything was changed in that one moment. And I believe that Saul, bitter, angry, driven, fearful, became one of the most joyful guys in the world. And how do we know this? Because of the book of Philippians where he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it. Rejoice. He's the guy, and he was in prison, by the way, during that time. And he's also the guy that wrote, Rejoice always. Pray continually. And give thanks in all circumstances. For that is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. This is the same guy. He became the most joyful guy, I believe, Seeing God for you and me is going to make us a joyous people. And the more joyous people we become, people around you are going to go, what are you on? What can I, can I have some of it? And then guess what? You have an opportunity to tell them what you've seen. Because people want to be around that. Seeing God restores my joy. Seeing God... (laughs) Seeing God changed Paul so much that then it gave him a passion for others to see him as he had seen him. That's what it does. It's like if you have seen, uh, if, if you have seen Paul George go down the court at 100 miles an hour and do a 360 and then dunk it, the next day you're like, did you see that? Right? If, if you see the greatest you know, spectacle in racing, the next day you're like, did you see it? Did you see it? Why? Because when we see really great things, we want everybody we know to see it. Listen, this is the epitome of seeing great things, and I want everybody I know to see it. And this is exactly what happened to Paul. So he went on to write things in the New Testament like this. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you can know him better. Hear it? The eyes of your heart. Because he knew that that we were blind without it. So his passion throughout the New Testament, if you read it, is for all of us to have our eyes opened. He's also the guy that understood that there are going to be those people around you who don't see. And why is that? Now he knows. Let's, do we have this one up here? Ah, look at this. This is what he wrote. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. But, but here's the good news. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. In where? In the face of Christ. See, Paul got it now. And everything he did was then affected by that one encounter. He understood that none of our friends, none of our family are going to be able to see God unless God himself opens their eyes. So guess what? You and I can pray. As Saul, Paul, prayed, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you may know him and the hope to which he has called you. And pray for those whose eyes are blinded. Because the same guy whose scales fell off of his eyes wrote that. He got it. He got it. 
All right. Seeing God changes our perspective. Not only on who God is, who we are to him, but also what he has called us to. Okay, so here's, this is kind of cool. This particular passage is repeated again because Paul gives his testimony at the end of his life. Okay, so, so after this encounter, Paul starts preaching Christ and never stops. Like for the rest of his life, he's preaching Christ, right? And the truth of who Jesus is, what he testifies to what he has seen. Then at the end of his life, he is arrested, like I don't know how many times. But one of these times, he's before a king named Agrippa. So in Acts 26, which is what we're going to look at next, Acts 26, if you want to turn there or it's right up here, he is giving his testimony again to a king named Agrippa. And he tells the same story we've read, but he gives a few more details, which is kind of cool. I love it. Acts 26, about noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. All right, let's go back, because all of you are going, what? (laughs) Stop. (laughs) All right. At first, I was like, we'll just skip over that. (laughs) But then I read what it meant. This is the coolest thing. It actually is a Greek proverb. So when Jesus said it to Saul, Saul knew exactly what he meant, because it it was cultural language. Don't you love it that God speaks our language? See, if he's going to speak to you, he's probably not going to come to you in the King James Version. If he speaks to you, he'll speak your language. He speaks to my friend Pam in songs. He speaks to some of you in art. He speaks to some of you through his word. He will speak to you in your language that you understand. I love this about God. It just continues to blow me away the older I get. This is a Greek proverb that simply means this. It's useless to resist. And it comes from when the oxen, they would have their oxen uh, helping to plow their fields, right? And so they had the oxen, they're getting them going. But if an ox decided to rebel and he didn't want to go any further and he was resisting, guess what he would do? Oh, oh, oh. And he would kick. That meant, I'm not going any further. No, I don't want to. Uh Uh-uh, no. But in reality, the ox was just hurting himself. And so when Jesus says to Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. He's saying, it's useless to resist, Saul. You are only hurting yourself. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying that there might be a few of us out here today, and you relate to that. In fact, you've heard the Lord call your name. Not, maybe not Saul, Saul, but maybe Christine, Christine. It's useless to resist. David, David. It's useless to resist. You're only hurting yourself. Why? Because his heart of love for you and for me is so great, and what he has for you and for me is so much better than anything that we feel like we can't let go of. Anything that you've been holding back and you're like, I'm not surrendering this. This is my one thing. He's like, it is useless for you to resist. You're only hurting yourself. And by the way, what I have for you is so much better than what you think you have to let go of. What I have for you is so much greater than anything you have to leave behind. You're only hurting yourself. 
What I have for you is my perfect love and the power and the strength to live the way you really want to live. I just thought that was kind of cool. I'm glad I didn't skip over it. Let's go on to the next part. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. Let's just be really clear, too. In this culture today, a lot of people think there's a lot of gods out there. He has spoken very clearly. And you and I can be very secure knowing there is only one God. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of his being. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is God. Now, get up on your feet. I have appeared to you, this is the best part, I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Do you hear it? See, Saul gets it. Saul got to experience what God wants to do for all of us. That's why it's a now word for us today too. Listen, it's like he's saying, I'm sending you, Paul, to them to open their eyes just like I opened yours and to turn them from darkness to light just like I did for you and, and to for the, turn them from the power of Satan to God just like I did for you, Paul. And by the way, to forgive their sins just like I did for you, Saul. It's for you and for me. And listen, He appointed him. He appeared to him to appoint him. So this great privilege that you and I have of getting to see God is not just for us. It is for us because it fulfills us. It satisfies our souls. It's the epitome of everything we've ever hoped for. But it also is for all those around you. Because he has appeared to you, Randy, to appoint you. He has appeared to you, Lynn, to appoint you. He has appeared to us. Listen, we get to see him so that we will tell others what we've seen. That's a word for us. And that's what we continue to hear. Go tell somebody. Proclaim it. Declare it. It's so important. This is the same man who wrote, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who rescued you from the dominion of darkness and took you into the dominion of light. The kingdom of light. Isn't it great? That you may. In other words, there's a purpose for you and I being here. And it is to enjoy and live in the love of God and to be free as his sons and daughters. But not to keep it to ourselves. But to tell others about it. And listen, I'm not up here saying you got to go memorize the four spiritual laws and we got to get this evangelistic campaign going, okay? But honestly, my whole life should be one. It should just be a natural overflow of what I do. He has... He has appeared to us he is appearing to us every day to appoint us so listen here's what i'm going to leave you with today and it's this when somebody asks you how you how are you doing you all of a sudden have been given an opportunity like you and i only have so many days on this earth and we only have so many hours within those days and we're only going to get so many opportunities to tell people who God is. He is Jesus. And guess what? He is alive. And guess what? He loves you. 
And he wants to reveal himself to you. So what if, this is what, you showed me this last week. I realized that as people were saying, Lori, how are you today? I was going, I'm good. Boy, today was a tough one. I had, you know, the car broke down. I had to take John to the doctor. And then like uh, the repairman had to come. And so this was out the window. And I realized that I can very easily fall into this cycle of declaring the praises of my frustrations. (laughs) Does anybody else do that? And I don't even realize I'm doing it. Like this can become quite the habit. How are you today? Well, gosh, I'm so busy. I had like a graduation ceremony and five open houses last night. Can I tell you how late and tired I was last night? I can tell you that. And then like it makes you want to go, yeah, I was tired too. And then you want to tell me how bad yours was. And it's, you know, then we just like want to one up each other and tell each other, okay, here's the deal. Doesn't the enemy love to distract us? What are our eyes on? I want a new season where I start taking my eyes and I put them on the things that God is doing. That doesn't mean that the other things aren't still happening. It means I take my focus off of them. And it doesn't mean that I ignore them because this, my husband's so good at this. I'll say, how was your day? He'll go, well, the Lord gave me opportunities to show grace today. (laughs) If it had been me, I would have gone, these people are driving me crazy. But for him, he sees it differently. He sees in every circumstance an opportunity to see God. And I believe that is what we are called to. We want to see him in the sunsets. I want to see him when he heals Izzy. I want to see him when uh, he transformed my friend this last week who got tragic news. And I thought she was going to crumble right there. And guess what I saw instead? I saw him speak to her. And I saw him transform her heart that was broken into this like, I love God so much. I can't believe he's so good to me. I'm like, I just saw God. Because he spoke to her and he ministered to her. That's, I mean, what are we looking for? So what if even in the hardest of days we say, you know what? This stinks, but God is giving me strength. What if somebody starts asking me, Lori, how are you today? And I say, you know what? It's been a tough one, but God did this for me. And I saw God do that. And what if, if somebody asks me, Lori, how are you doing today? And I'm really joyful. I stop trying to stifle it. I mean, I know I can come on a little strong, but I'm, t- I'm, I'm like, I just want to be me. What if I'm so full of the Holy Spirit? I just go, I'm sorry. I just got to tell you, God's so great. He's so good, and he's been so good to my family. Can I just tell you what it's like? You know, like, this has been like a harvest season for me, to see our boys, like, graduate and become young men, and then to see what God puts in them, and then what comes out of them. Holy cow, can I just tell you how good God is? And I, want, and I think we need to stop stifling it and tell people. I cried all night because God's so good. I did. It's okay. I think we start, need to start giving uh, uh, recognition to the one who is worthy. And look for it. And look for it. Paul says this toward the end of his life. If you look through it, I just challenge you. Open up the Bible this week in the New Testament and look for all the way Paul uses vision terminology. So what's the next one we have here? I think he says in Corinthians, yes, so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. My flat tire is temporary. Even my tragic situation is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Where is God in my day today? And then he wrote this in Hebrews 12 too. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So my challenge to you today is twofold as we leave. Fix your eyes on him. 
Look for him. This is a season of seeing God. Look for him in the sunsets and in the hugs from a friend. Look for him in the miraculous and the signs and the wonders. Look for him in the tragedies and in the hard frustrations of your day. Look for him in the people around you and call him out. Look for him. Fix your eyes on him so that you recognize him when you see him. Look for him. And then when you see him, you know what's coming next. Tell somebody. And when somebody asks you, how's your day today, Luke? I got to tell you what God did today. I saw God do this. And the more we speak of it, the more we look for it. And the more we see, the more we look for it. Because this is really cool. My gosh, God is everywhere. He's right here. Who knew? It's like we're being awakened. We're being awakened. There's a book that has just taken the world by storm in the Christian circles, and it's called A Thousand Gifts. Many of you have read it, and it's all about this lady challenging you to start listing all the blessings that are in your life. And when you start listing them, thank you for the sunrise. Thank you for my friend who gave me a hug right when I needed it. Thank you for that prophetic word that came across the email. From Thank you. For, and you just start listing them. Boy, then you like realize, oh, my gosh. Every good and perfect gift is from the Father of love. And it's everywhere, which simply means that my God is just pouring out one good gift after another. And he is everywhere. And he is visible to me. I can see him. And I'm so thankful. Would you stand with me, please? As a declaration, Joseph, let's put that last one up there. This scripture just keeps going through my mind, and, I, and it's, it's, my, it's a challenge to myself, so I'm asking you to join me. Could this be our thing this week? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my lips. Okay? Not, I don't want to give praise to all the other stuff anymore. I don't want to give it, I don't want to make it magnify that. No, I want to magnify the Lord. I will boast in the Lord. Let the oppressed hear and they will rejoice. Magnify the Lord with me. Let's praise his name together. Would you say this with me? Okay, let's say it together and let's declare it as a new season and a new way that we're going to live and speak. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. Let the oppressed hear and rejoice. Magnify the Lord with me. Let's praise his name together. Yes, let it be so, Lord. Let it be so, Lord. We ask right now that even this is a gift of grace. The gift of seeing only comes from you. Open our eyes to see that you are all around us. You are in us and you are working all the time. Help us to see all that you're doing and then to give you praise for it. And help us to be a people that rejoice so loudly that people are drawn to you, Jesus. And they want to see you for themselves. We ask for droves of people to have their spiritual eyes open that they may see you and come to you. We ask, God, that we would see more signs, more wonders, more healings, more transformed hearts. We ask for more, Lord. Open our eyes to see what you're doing and give us the only thing that comes on our lips. May it only be that which brings you praise. We thank you, God, and we bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. As we go today, there will be a ministry team up here. If you feel like I, uh, I have been resisting God in one of those areas we talked about, like I've been holding this part back, and it's useless to resist, if that was you, would you come up and, and just confess it and ask someone to pray over you and surrender it? 
because he has so much more for you. If you're one that realizes that the, that the enemy really has had kind of a hold on your lips and you realize you've been using this instrument, not, you know, I, that's, I've, I've done that. And you want to use it for only praise, you know, ask, ask someone to pray over your lips, over your speech. And if you want to see more of God, ask somebody to pray over your eyes, that your spiritual eyes would be open, that you'd see him more wherever you are. So ministry team, would you come forward? And the rest of you, we pray. How, what is your new thing? I really like it. Go in peace to love and see the Lord. I love this. Go in peace to love and see the Lord. Because he's so good. You are dismissed. Thank you, Jesus.